Wonderful. Well, we took a week off. I don't know if you remember what we've been talking about, but um, we've been talking about prayer, uh, so we're going to continue doing that. That's okay with everybody. <laughs> oh, it's nice and warm out today, wasn't it? Beautiful breeze, balmy weather. Anyways, um, last week we talked about, well, two weeks ago, I guess, we talked about um, how to pray different ways um, we can communicate with God. And so this week we're going to talk about what to pray. What do I say? What do I pray? Hebrews chapter 4, um, verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So we are to come boldly when we pray. It's one thing. So we'll get into this. But um, there's, a, there's a lot of content to prayer. There's a lot of things um, that go along with prayer. We talked about um, using your imagination and Different things we get, different tools we can use. There's images, uh, thoughts, emotions, needs, desires. All this stuff comes when we when we pray. There's a there's an artist I follow on the internet. Um, he's a Catholic guy, but um, he does a lot of Christian paintings. He paints these pictures that um, represent prayers and sorts these sorts of things to help people when they when they pray to look at it. And, Helps, I don't know, but it's pretty interesting the stuff that he puts out. But he has a book. Uh, him and another guy put together called 40 Days of Prayer, and it just kind of goes through a thing. There's a little prayer, and then there's a picture to kind of help you get going. So there's these things that we use, and when we pray, there's all these different things that we have going on in our head, in our heart, in our mind, all these things that are going on. But a lot of what we pray are words. Right, that's, that's how we communicate mostly. Most of us, um, words are our main form of communication. We still, you know, we have body language, we, we write things, but speaking and listening are mostly, you know, the main things. Um, we have pictures, body language, writing, and all that stuff. You know, emojis, people use gifs or gifs or whatever you want to say. All these things that people use that get a point across, but our main thing is speaking and listening. Um, so words are, you know, mostly what we use for communication. So when we pray, what words do we use? What do we say? Do we just say whatever pops into our head? Um, is it supposed to be spontaneous? Do we use written prayers, books, you know? We read prayers out loud. You know, what do we say? Right? Has anyone else ever thought that? You know, everybody wants to pray, but sometimes we don't know how to do it, what we're supposed to say. And there's a lot of debate about what to say when we pray in different um, denominations. You go to different churches, and they're going to tell you different things that need to be said churches that are more traditional or orthodox or whatever you want to say whatever word you want to use they like often to use written prayers they use them a lot in their services uh catholics 
Lutherans, Anglicans, Episcopalians, which is a fun word to say. These types, the traditional Greek Orthodox, all these types of things, these churches, with a lot of tradition, they like to use um, written prayers. They have books of prayers that have been accepted and passed down and whatever. And others like Pentecostal, Baptist, Wesleyan, uh, non-denominational types of churches, they like spontaneous prayers. And so there's some churches do a mix of both. But, so there's two kind of categories for tonight's purpose anyway, two types of categories for, of prayers. So we have the example prayers, which are things that are written down, and then we have spontaneous prayers. Example prayers would be, um, there's a word, liturgy. If you've been around any sort of church, you've probably heard it. Liturgy comes from the Greek words that mean the work of the people. It provides an opportunity for all participants to say and do acts of worship together. It's a communal thing. Um, they use written prayers. They use prayer books. Um, have you ever been to maybe a funeral or a wedding or something, or like a Catholic type thing or Anglican, right? You know, I've been to a couple, and it's, I didn't know what was going on. This is they're reading a prayer, and then you're supposed to respond with something. But for someone outside, it's not very effective because I didn't know. But if you're in that sort of thing, you know, that helps people, uh, helps them pray. Um, it, could be, it could be a book of prayers that they use. It could be Bible verses or just, you know, well-known prayers, creeds, that sort of thing that have been passed down. Or even hymns can be used. Um, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they did this sort of prayer a lot. In the, in the Bible, there's a lot of prayers. You've read the Bible. Psalms is basically 150 different prayers or more. Psalm 118 has got a bunch in it. So um, there's a, the Bible is full of prayers. And the Jewish um, people, they would just read these sorts of prayers. They would get together and they would read them. And that's how they would, they would pray together. The Psalms have a lot of different prayers that people read or quoted or sang or they were used in public worship in the temple or the synagogues. And these types of prayers that people would read um, were used um, for worship. And they bring everybody together. It puts everybody on the same page. Everybody's praying the same thing. It brings a sort of a unity. It's the same as um, what we do with, with music and songs or hymns in church. This is the same as what we do with music and songs in church. Um, there's two purposes when we sing. The first purpose is to worship God, obviously. The second one is to unify us. Because we're all singing, how great is our God, right? And so all of our attention should be on what we're singing. I mean, sometimes we're daydreaming or distracted, but we don't know the words or the songs or whatever. But the purpose of it is for us all to be focus on the same thing, like, oh, God is great. Yes, he is. Let's all worship him. That's the whole purpose of us singing together. When we have specials, you know, it's different. And people minister in song a different way. But the purpose of singing together is all for us to be focused on the same thing to bring some sort of unity. I know sometimes we get distracted or whatever, but 
it's used as a way to express worship together, and it's important that we do these sorts of things because it reminds us that we're not alone. Amen. You know, when we're all singing a song together, it's powerful when we're all, you know, focused and all worshiping together. It brings a sort of a unity. It reminds us that we're not alone and we're all serving God together. So people would use, people use these types of prayers for the same thing. They use Bible verses, um, those quotes that people are familiar with, that people know and learn, and they use it as sort of a unity thing to experience God together. And it's good. It's good, but it's, it's not a replacement for personal prayer. It's, a, it's good to, you know, it's okay if we, you know, read the Lord's Prayer or whatever. We used to do it in grade two. We had a, a nun for a teacher, so every day we did it. They won't do that anymore, but we used to do it. And then at the end we'd say, God bless the Montreal Canadiens, because that was their favorite team. And they won the cup that year, so that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but that's what happened. But it brought us all together, sort of. We would sing, you know, the national anthem. We do the Lord's Prayer and bless the Canadians, and that's what we did every morning. But it brought us all sort of unified together, and that, you know, it's a, it's good for that sort of thing. And these types of prayers are fine as a starting point. They're good to get you going. They're good to, you know, teach you how to pray. You know, sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray, and it helps us on our way like an ice breaker. You know, when you meet somebody new, a group, and you have an icebreaker, and it's awkward, and um, you got to tell things about yourself, which I hate doing, but I had to do that when I went to St. Louis. They're like, say some things about yourself, and I'm like, I don't know. I got kids, so they thought I'd be good at this position. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's all I said, but that's, you know, icebreakers are awkward, but it helps you get started. It helps you start a conversation or... Um, relationship with somebody so so these prayers are good but you know they're not everything they're good to get you started it's like singing is a good place to start worship to start praise but that's not all there is to worship that's not all there is to praise it's good when we all sing together it's good when we all you know sing along and lift our hands but when somebody steps outside of that and starts worshiping on their own or you know, starts praying, maybe runs the aisles or does a little jig or whatever it is. When somebody steps outside of just the singing part, you know, it brings something else, more, more, something more to it. Yes. When somebody starts becoming spontaneous, something special happens. Yes. And corporate singing and music is important, but it's a starting place to worship and prayer. And written, memorized prayers, you know, reading the Bible praying the Bible, that's important and it's good, but it's just sort of a starting point. Like, hi, how are you? The starting point to a conversation. It's not the whole conversation. If that's the whole conversation you have with somebody, hi, how are you? Fine. See you later. There's not much going to happen. There's not much of a relationship. You know, sometimes you, know, you have a conversation and it's awkward and it seems like it's not going anywhere. So you find a reason to leave, but... But the hi, how are you, gets you into the conversation. And what you do with it afterwards is between you and the other person. So these prayers are good to get us started, but it's just 
you know, it's up to us what happens afterward. If you have something to talk about, if you have a purpose for this conversation, it helps the conversation go. It has meaning. I'm really bad at small talk, as you probably noticed if you've tried to talk to me. But if we have something that we need to discuss, I can talk about it. If we have something, a point to the conversation, it's easier. You know, when you have a point to your prayer, it's easier than just, you know, the conversation starter would be these sorts of things, like an appetizer to a meal. Garlic bread is good, but it's not good enough. Man cannot live on garlic bread alone. I mean, you might be able to, but you're not going to be healthy because you need protein, you need vegetables, you need fruit, you need other things. So you can't live on these types of prayers alone. You can't live on garlic bread alone. It's a good starting point, but there needs to be more to it. There needs to be more substance. So remember that. You can't live on garlic bread alone. So Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, which is awesome. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it, obviously, because Jesus gave it to us. But he didn't give it to us to repeat it, to just you know, recite it, and that's that. And say, God bless the Canadians at the end, and then go on your day. That's not all there is to it. It's a great starting point. It's a, it's a structure. It's a good way to, to pray. We need to use it, but it's not, it's not a personal thing. God is a personal God. It says, Matthew 6, 9 to 13 is where it's at. It says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as earth on... on One more time. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, it's a good starting point. But forgive us our debts. What debts? Right? You could just say, God, forgive me of my debts. You know, that's a pretty broad thing. But when you start getting into it, God, forgive me of this. <coughs> forgive me of that. Forgive me of this other thing. You know, then it becomes personal. That's a starting point. You say, give us this day our daily bread. What do you need? You know, most, most of the times we don't just need bread. Or we call up Nora. <laughs> she can make us some bread. <laughs> but, you know, there's more to pray. You know, it's a starting point. It's a structure. It gives us an idea. It helps us start it. Um, when you think back to when you first started praying, when you first learned how to pray, you know, usually it's grace, you know, for the meal. Thank, thank you for the food, blessed are mine. Whatever however you prayed, I don't know. But that's generally where we start. You know, Annabelle thinks she can't pray, but she can she'll pray for the meal, no problem. And that's where we start. Or now I lay me down to sleep. Those sorts of things, that's where we start. And it's usually by repeating something. And that's how we, we learn, but we grow past that. Our earliest memories of prayer are usually those types of prayer, but there's more to it, obviously. We grow into it. Like a baby starts with milk and grows in eating other things. Meat, as the Bible says. And a lot of us, um, we struggle with what words to say in prayer. And reading a prayer book or using a psalm or a song, it helps us to start. And there's a temptation to think that we need special training or a special position to pray. But as Pentecostals, 
we believe that the priesthood is for everybody, for all believers, and anyone can talk to God like they're talking to a friend. First Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9 says, Ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. These verses say that we are all part of the priesthood. And in the Old Testament, the priests were the only ones that could go into the presence of God, but now we all are. So we can all go before God with our prayers. We can all go before God with our sacrifices, with our petitions, with all these sorts of things. So that's example prayers. They're good starting points. You know, if you don't know what to pray, read the Lord's Prayer and use that as a structure. Um, another thing in Bible school we did was acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It's another way to pray. But those aren't the words, you know, they get you started. Anyway, so spontaneous prayers is the other way. And with that, obviously there's no script, no rehearsal. You just use whatever words, whatever phrases come to your mind or come to your heart. And that's, you know, usually how most of us pray. Churches that emphasize the Holy Ghost, um, like us, we generally use spontaneous prayer. And that's in the Bible also. Um, Jesus prayed spontaneously in Gethsemane. He wasn't quoting another prayer. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Spontaneous prayers are heard and accepted by God no matter how clumsy our wording is or how awkward our expressions are. Thank God. Because I, <laughs> I, I can't even read sometimes and make the words make sense. You don't need to speak King James English and say, Oh, thee, oh Lord, thou art the highest of the high, or whatever. You don't need to pray like that. You don't need to use these words. You just, whatever words that you would use when you talk to a friend or a neighbor or whatever, that's the words we, we would use. There's some spontaneous prayers in, in the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 20 to 21 says, And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, why? Or hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried again, cried unto the Lord, and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him. Again, that was a spontaneous prayer. That wasn't something that was pre-recorded, something that was rehearsed, that was just the prophet praying spontaneously. First Chronicles 4 and 10 says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Jabez prayed a spontaneous prayer, and God answered it. Matthew 26 and 39 we already read Jesus went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it would be possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou will. And most of us are pretty comfortable praying that way by ourselves. 
right? During private times of prayer before service, when we were praying, you know, we were probably doing that. I didn't see a lot of people reading prayer books or the, the hymnal or the Bible, you know, sometimes we do, but most of us are comfortable praying that way um, when nobody but God is listening, but we're, sometimes we're a little less comfortable doing it in front of a group, especially if we don't uh, have a lot of practice doing it. And it, it takes practice like anything, and I make a mess of it sometimes, so if anybody else wants to, uh, let me know, and we can work something out. But, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't flow as well because you get nervous and you forget words, forget needs. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's 25 different things we need to pray for, and you only remember four of them. Or, I don't know, sometimes, you know, I forget names or whatever, and... Maybe you say the wrong thing. I had a friend that would pray, lead prayer at church, and he would pray very specific, very, very specific things, especially if it was like a healing type thing, like a, a woman needed healing in a certain part of her body, and he went into very much details while he was praying, and it was very awkward for everyone. And there's just things you don't do, things you do do, do do, but there's things that it takes, takes practice, you know, it takes time. Yes. You know, we're going to mess up when we do it. Nobody's perfect. But um, it's good for us to do. I know before we've, we've had prayer meetings where we get people to pray for each other's needs out loud, and it, it helps. And it brings something special to it. And sometimes we hesitate if we've had negative experiences where people used it as an opportunity to express opinions or gossip or put somebody on the spot. Like, oh, oh, I pray for Brenda behind me. She's living in sin. She did this this week. I know what God forgive her. I know that hasn't happened since I've been here, but... People do that sort of stuff, sort of thing, and it can be abused, just like anything, really. Like any, you give anybody a mic or anything, you never know what's going to happen. So, um, you know, people can be shy of it because of that sort of thing. But our challenge when we're called upon to pray out loud, spontaneously, is to um, rely on both the grace of our Christian community and of God, because, you know, if you're afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing and someone's going to attack you afterwards, it's going to hold you back. But if you can, you know that Nora's not going to judge me because I mispronounced the name of the person I was supposed to pray for, or I said the wrong thing, you know, it gives you more freedom. So we need to give each other grace when this sort of thing happens and rely on the grace of God as well. In a healthy Christian community, we should, we should have the experience to pray that way and, and uh, let God work. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you, because I know I mess up sometimes, maybe often. So thank you for not correcting me afterwards, because I generally know afterwards. Anyway, so um, what are we talking about here? Yep, there it is. So there's a certain 
There's a pattern for prayer. When we, when we start praying, I mean, Jesus laid it in the Lord's Prayer, but there's a pattern that usually happens that comes from our awareness and our reaction to God's presence because He's holy. And when we get into His presence, things, things start happening. And um, so there's things that we go through with prayer. We have praise, we have confession, we have thanksgiving, supplication, and intercession. These are all things that generally happen when we spend time in prayer. Praise, um, when we find ourselves in the presence of a living, holy God, our first reaction generally is the praise. You know, it's wonderful, it's awesome that somebody so powerful, mysterious, loving, wise, and full of grace could ever pay attention to me, could ever share in an existence with me and listen to me as I try to communicate and not make a mess of my words. And, you know, it's amazing that he would even pay attention, right? Has anyone ever felt like that? You know, that's what happens. And at the heart of praise, there's a self-forgetfulness. Because when we praise and we focus on him, we kind of forget about everything else. We kind of forget about our problems. We kind of forget about what's happening. Um, issues kind of fade away and God becomes the, the main focus, which is you know why it's important for us to worship and praise and service. In the Bible, we see psalms of songs, songs or songs of praise that celebrate who God is as a creator, as a shepherd, as a savior, as a king, as a parent, as a spouse, like the bride of Christ, the husband of the church, or whatever you want to say, or and as a protector. Moses and the Israelites sing a song of praise when God delivers them from Pharaoh's soldiers in Exodus 15 and 1. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel the song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. David offers a song of praise um, to God when he delivers them from his enemies and from Saul in 2 Samuel Chapter 22, verses 1 to 3 says, David spoke unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord hath delivered him out of the hands of his enemies, out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock and him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. And, you know, all through the Psalms, there's a lot of different ones about God's deliverance. Psalm 18, 1-2 says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my strength. In whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Basically what he just said there. And Psalm 21, and 1-2 says, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart desire, and hast not withholding the request from his lips. Selah. So hymns and choruses, they put prayers of praise to rhythm and rhyme generally this is you know what we do a lot with our with our hymns with our songs that we sing on sunday amazing grace is basically a prayer thanking god for his grace um, the song trisha saying on sunday lord i'm amazed by you it quotes the bible and it can be read as a prayer lord i'm amazed by you that you love me you know that's amazing and you know, the song Cassie saying, trust in you. It's basically a prayer. Even if things aren't going the way that I want, I'm going to trust you. Amen. You know, these songs that we sing are also prayers. And prayers of praise and stuff. 
in personal prayer, we may find ourselves, you know, just going through all the things that God is sometimes. You know, and we did kids' church in St. John, and we did the prayer, and we talked about um, adoration, and we just went through the alphabet, A to Z, and um, for every letter, we asked the kids, and we came up with a word that would describe God, like A, he's awesome, B, he's beautiful, C, he's caring, D, he's a deliverer. We just went through the alphabet. Some letters were harder than others, but you know that's that's something you can do if you're stuck. Amen. You know, just start praising him, and then everything else will start yes. flowing out. So we start with praise, and then um, confession would be the, the next thing. When you start focusing on how big and how great God is, you realize how much you aren't, and how much we fall short. Yes. Isaiah, um, he started with prayer and worship, and when he got into the presence of God in Isaiah six and five, he said. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, as I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He just got into God's presence, and he realized how much he wasn't like God, how, you know, how far he fell short. And Isaiah was a good guy, you know, he was a, he was a prophet, he was used by God, but when he got into his presence, he realized... God is holy and I am not. And so that's what happens when we get into God's presence. We realize how big he is and how awesome he is and how much we aren't. It's hard to be proud in the presence of God. Confession is what comes when that happens. When you realize how big God is and how awesome he is and how much you aren't. And confession also um, involves expressing longing and disappointments that we experience. It, it's about talking to God honestly. God, I failed here. God, I'm disappointed this didn't happen. I don't understand this. Just being honest with him. is confession. Confession is the acknowledgement of our sins to God. And also just being honest with him. We recognize that we failed to live the way he wants. You know, we remember things we've done. You know, forgive us our debts. What debts? And we go through them. We say, God, I failed you here. I didn't spend as much time with you as I should have. I didn't do this, I blew this chance, I, whatever, whatever it is, you know, and God shows us and we confess and draw closer to him. The Bible is full of confessional prayers. One of them is Psalm 51. It starts, first one, it says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. There's prayers like that in the Bible. And Jesus gave an example of a prayer of confession in a parable in Luke chapter 18 and 13 where the tax collector cries out and he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Some other ones, I'm not going to read them tonight, we don't have time, but 1 Kings 8 46 to 50 Ezra 9 5 to 15. Matthew 6, 12. So when we go through confession, the next step that would follow naturally would be thanksgiving. As God's, now he's forgiven me. Now he's taken these things away that I've been dealing with. He's lifted this burden off of me. And 
We're just thankful that God works in our life, that he gives us hope, he gives us life, he gives us salvation, gives us grace, mercy, love, he's, he listens to us. You know, it brings sort of a, a thankfulness. And through the Bible, God's people offer prayers of thanksgiving after um, events where they saw God's presence and power. Psalm 26, verse 6 to 7 says, I will wash my hands in innocency, I will compass thine altar, O Lord. Verse 7 says that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all thy wondrous works. So God just did something in David's life and he always going to tell everyone because he's so thankful. Psalm 28 and 7 says the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. So God's come through for him. He says therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song I will praise him. A lot of psalms, of there's a lot of psalms that are praises for victory and deliverance. You know when God steps in and moves. Our reaction is, but thank you. And Psalm 100 talks about, or asks the people to give thanks to God. Daniel chapter 2, Daniel offers thanks for God's wisdom and power, which helped him to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Jesus thanks God for the disciples' ability to see, hear, and respond to God's power. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Paul writes about his prayers of thanksgiving for the faith of the church in Rome, in Romans 1 and 8. And in Revelation 7, verses 11 and 12, um, this shows a, a vision of angels singing a song of thanksgiving to God. Because we can, you know, when we pray and we remember what God's done for us, it's easy to look back and say, you know, God, thank you for doing this. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for stepping in at this point. Thank you for protecting me. And that's a reaction that comes when we get into the presence of God. We can look back and remember when he was our friend, when he was our comfort, when I, he stepped in, when we needed him, when he forgave us. All these sorts of things. The next step would be supplication. Um, that's an old-fashioned word for making a request connected with the word supply. So asking someone to supply something. Um, we call upon God to supply our needs, even though Matthew 6 and 8 says that he knows our needs before we ask. Amen. says, Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. But there's something about asking out loud. Yes. And then God, when God answers it, it forces us to um, get to the heart of what we really need. You know, if you're praying for something on your job, is it really your job that needs to change or is it you that needs to change? When we pray out loud, sometimes you realize, you hear the words that you're saying, <laughs> maybe it's me. So there's something about praying out loud that helps us with that. It expresses a, tr a childlike trust that God cares about the details of our lives. So we need to pray specific prayers. You know, you can say, God, meet my needs. Amen. Or you can say, God, I need you to step in here. I need you to move here. I need you to touch this and deliver whatever. Whatever it is, but we're more specific on, you know, answers. We can pray for large, broad things, you know, like, you know, peace. We prayed a few weeks ago that there would be peace in France with all the riots. We can pray that all sorts of things. We can pray for revival in our community. We can pray that God will move in Bridgewater. We can pray prayers like that. They're broad prayers. And we can also pray specific personal needs. 
like for a job, for you know, when you need a new car because it's broken down, or you need food or shelter or friendship, whatever it is. You can pray specific things and broad things. We can pray for guidance in making decisions. First Kings 3 and 9 says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? We can pray for healing. Jeremiah 17 and 14 says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. Uh, we can pray for help or rescue in danger. Nehemiah 4, 7 and 9. 7 and 9 says, It came to pass that when Senballad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, that the breaches began to be stopped, that then they were very wroth. They conspired all of them together to come to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So you can pray in those sorts of situations. You can pray for freedom from temptation and sin. Matthew six thirteen, lead us on to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Um, Bible characters that prayed prayers of supplication. Moses in Exodus 15. Hannah, um, pray for a son. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Elijah. 1 Kings 18, Jabez that we read, 1 Chronicles 4, David, Psalm 28, David, most of the Psalms really, David all through the, the Bible, Anna, Luke chapter 2, and the early Christians in Acts chapter 1, they prayed for the, for the poor of the Spirit. Um, intercession is a, means to, to offer a prayer of intercession is to intercede, to make a request on the behalf of someone else. So supplication is for yourself. And intercession is for somebody else, on behalf of somebody else. When we intercede for someone, we speak up in their defense or bring their needs to the attention of somebody else in authority. Um, for example, if your child is having trouble with school, you may go to the teachers and intercede on their behalf to get them some extra help. Or somebody's in trouble with the law, you may go and intercede on their behalf to get them out of trouble. I don't know, or whatever. Depends on what they did, I guess. But in, in the Bible, we see Jesus praying for Peter in Luke chapter 22 and the disciples in John chapter 17. And when he's on the cross, he prays for his executioners when he says, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And Stephen does the same thing. He prays or somebody else that God would intercede on their behalf. Elijah prayed for the widow and her son in 1 Kings 17. And Paul prayed for all the believers in the early churches in his opening statements in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 2 Timothy. Beginning of all those books, he prays for the churches. And sometimes we'll say, you know, I'll pray for you. We know somebody needs something, but we actually need to do it. Um, we're called to make intercessory prayer a part of our time with God for the sake of others. It's important. It makes a difference. You know, it makes a difference in somebody that's backslidden. It makes a difference in somebody that's struggling, that maybe isn't praying for themselves, that maybe needs somebody to step in on their behalf, somebody that's sick and can't pray. 
right now because they're too sick and you know maybe you know they don't even know what's going on or pray for protection for somebody that doesn't know that they need it you never know what your prayers will do it's important for us to pray intercessory intercessory prayers the last thing in the name of Jesus it's important many prayers end with the phrase in Jesus name or in the name of Jesus before we say amen um, Paul tells the church at Rome I thank my God through Jesus Christ everything we need to do is through Jesus John chapter 16 verse 23 Jesus says very truly I tell you if you ask anything of the Father in my name he will give it to you there's power in the name of Jesus all power in heaven and earth. So why not access it when we pray? I know when I pray, I say it a lot. You may have noticed that. I do mention Jesus a lot when I pray because maybe it's a habit, but there's power in the name of Jesus. And we need that because without that power, you know, not going to happen. You know, Jesus' name is the most powerful name we can pray. All power in heaven and earth is in that name. We'll get into that another day. We don't have time for that. <laughs> but if we pray in Jesus' name and we believe, he will answer and he will hear. It might not be the answer we want. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes he says no. Because he knows what's best. Right? When your kids ask you for chocolate for supper, what do you say? Sure, because I love you so much. You say no, because it's not good for you. I know better. And sometimes we ask God for things and he says no because he knows better. Amen. And he knows what's ahead and he knows what's going to happen. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, it can be frustrating when you don't get chocolate for, the, for supper. As a child, Lucy will throw a fit. She wants candy for every meal. I want her to have teeth when she grows up. <laughs> so we say no. And if God just gave us everything we asked for, that would make him a genie and not God. Right? And he, that's not how it works. He knows what's best. So sometimes we'll say no, and we just need to trust him because he's in charge. The word amen comes from the Hebrew language, and it means true with an exclamation, exclamation point added. Or let it be so. So when we pray and we say, amen, just a stamp of approval. Like, I agree with everything that was just said. And yes. stamp it, send it in the mail, whatever you do. And so when we say amen, that's what it means. So if somebody's preaching and you say amen, that means I agree with it. Yes. You know, I'm behind it. I agree. It's a stamp of approval. Amen. <clears throat> It acts as an affirmation of the truthfulness and the faithfulness to what was said in prayer. The words we use while we pray are meant to express to God our faith, our emotions, our thoughts, and our needs. We can be assured that God hears and accepts our words with His grace, whether we make a mess of the King's English or not. Um, when, <laughs> oh, I'm done pretty much. But when I was in um, Benin, all right, the French. Sometimes they would ask me to pray, and I'm not good at French. It was a mess. 
They're like, oh, Brother Shepherd, pray for the benediction. That's what they do before they leave. They always have the benediction prayer, like just bless us and whatever. So I knew some worship songs in French, so I would just quote them. As much as I knew. And that's what I did. And oh God, you know, I prayed as best as I could in that language, and God, you know, God moved and God honored it. And I'd be like, you know, which means, you know, blessed be your name. I would just say whatever I knew, <laughs> whatever songs I knew, because that's what I knew anyways. But God honors that. Yes. You know, whether or not, you know, you're good with the language or whatever, you may not know the right words to say, but God knows your heart. Amen. That's what's important. Hebrews 4 and 16 that we read at the beginning says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the help of need. We need to pray boldly and believing in Jesus' name. Do all those things. Praise. What's the next one? Confession, thankfulness, supplication, intercession. All these things, God will lead us. Use um, the Bible, the Lord's Prayer. Use that sort of thing as a starting point. Man should not live in garlic bread alone, but it will help us. Amen. Let's all stand. I hope that makes sense. Clear. All right. let's, uh, let's pray one more, one more time. Yeah, Jesus, and I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the examples you've given us in your word of prayer. God, I pray that you would help us uh, draw closer to you. God, help us to pray on a consistent basis. God, help us to express you know, ourselves to you, God. I pray that you would meet our needs, God. You would meet us where we're at. I pray in Jesus' name, God. Do a work in our lives, God. Draw us closer to you than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name, God. I thank you for everything you're doing and everything you've done, God. You are awesome and great and mighty, and I love you, Jesus. God, let your will be done in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.